As we gather this day, we, um, we're, this is the weekend we celebrate our independence, right? our freedom. And Jesus would reinterpret freedom, what we might think it is. He'll, he'll, reinter- he'll in- reinterpret many things. Um, throughout this series, um, several weeks ago, Pastor Dave introduced this series of time. You remember we, we talked about time, how time can be a blessing. This day is a blessing. A day like no other has been given to us. Time is a blessing. But time can also be a tyrant, right? Time can be a tyrant, especially when we come to church, right? There might have been a moment, right, where you're just getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and you look at your watch and you say, oh, time's up. I'll be back next week. Lord, you can work on me again, but time's up for now. So maybe at the outset of this series, at the outset of the series, maybe Pastor Dave should have introduced something that would never fly around here. But, you know, remember in the old westerns where the marshal would have, be waiting right at the outskirts of town and you had to check in your guns, no guns allowed, no guns, no firearms beyond this point, right? Maybe Pastor Dave should have instituted this. Check all your watches at the door. Don't bring them in. Check your, check your cell phones at the door. Don't, don't bring them in. Don't even be worried about time. Because sometimes time can interrupt. Time, time can be a tyrant. So we pray that um, if, if you do have um, things to do this afternoon, that, there's, that there are things that can be, you can be a little late for. Um, because Pastor Tim last week gave us a new definition of time. You remember Pastor Tim's message last week? If you weren't here, um, Pastor Tim talked about how he's a very punctual person. Punctual in his entire life. And then he went on to preach a message that was about 15 minutes too long. So, so with, with that all being said, with that all being said, it's like all barriers are off, right? Really, especially now. This is my last Sunday, you know, and I told Pastor Dave if he, if he needs me to come down and fill in at any time, Kathy and I'd be happy because we're going to be back. Our family and friends are here. We'll be back often and many times. Um, so maybe, maybe I ought to watch myself. But, but really, you know, at this stage of the game, what are they going to do, fire me? <laughs> so, so I'll talk about what's near and dear to my heart, you know, the love of the Lord, the love of family, um, something that identifies us, it makes us who we are. And even in the midst of family, that's where we should find freedom, freedom to be ourselves, right? Freedom to be who we are, not who the world tells us should we, we should be, but who we are. Because we're all different. What a, what a vast difference in personalities are gathered here. And what a, wonderful, what a wonderful thing that is. Because we bring different gifts. We bring different strengths as well as different weaknesses into the fellowship. You know, that as we... Um, Jesus, Jesus really re, re, um, re-identified what um, the meaning of family is when he um, was told your mother and your brothers are, are out here waiting to talk to you. And... He says something that at first might be a little confusing until we realize how he's defining our role in the life of the church. He says, looks around and he says, look, look here, here's my, here's my, here's my brothers, here's, here's my sisters, here's my mother. Those that follow and believe in the will of God, which is love and respect, those, those, are, my, those are my brothers, my sisters. And so we, we have this tremendous freedom not to do whatever we want, you know, not to just go out and live willy-nilly because Christ has died for my sins, so I'm going to have a party all day long. Not for that, but be, to be released 
and the freedom that, that the true love of God can bring. How he would use us to be instruments of his grace, instruments of his peace. In our country, we celebrate independence on the 4th of July, right? Um, although, lately, um, when the Detroit fireworks, they call them the Freedom Fireworks. When, when was it? That was a couple weeks ago, right? And different townships have different days and nights for their fireworks um, for um, different purposes, different reasons. But when, back when we were kids, um, Fourth of July was it, right? Fireworks, somebody told me after the last... And back when I was a kid, fireworks were in black and white. <laughs> but man, then black and white fireworks were right on the Fourth of July. Right on the Fourth of July. You know, and so that's where we found our identity as being independent Americans. We found it on the Fourth of July. And as we consider now time, um, family time, um, it's... It's with this understanding that sometimes we make mistakes in our family, right? Sometimes we screw up, right? Most of us do. Some of us don't. Um, but when we were kids, there, was, um, there, there were TV shows that gave us a false impression of what a family should look like, right? There was, there was a show called Ozzie and Harriet, right, with the Nelsons. Who wouldn't want to live with the Nelsons? Ricky Nelson as your brother, you know, for you girls, or um, you go to the, 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 to the soda shop or malt shop with Ozzy, Ozzy every day. He never went to work. Harriet was always making some delicious meal in her dress and high heels. There was the Nelsons. There was uh, the Anderson family. Um, not the Greg and Andrea Anderson family, but the Jim and Margaret Anderson family on Father Knows Best, right? And Father would always come up with the solution to all of their problems, all their different difficulties that they might face. And then a little later on in the 50s, there was a, a show with a family called the Cleavers. You remember Cle the Cleavers, Ward and June? Um, not a lot of you don't remember that. The Beave, remember the Beave and Wally? Um, it, 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 I mean, they got into some trouble, you know, their little hijinks. They always had a remedy for it, right? And then later on, and I never saw this show, but I think it's maybe the 60s or even the 70s, the Brady Bunch. That was family-oriented. Right, I don't know much about that show. Um, but then there, there's one that we all can identify with because it's still on TV, The Simpsons. Right, The Simpsons. Man, and, you know, some of you are thinking, oh, man, Joe's going to be talking about The Simpsons. He's, where's he going now? Well, I told you, all, the, all barriers are off. You know, and I've made this confession before that I've, I've watched The Simpsons more than a time or two in my life. And, and I found him to be pretty funny. I really have. Um, and if you ever watch The Simpsons, there was an episode where um, Homer got a part-time job working at a Chinese restaurant, making out the, the, um, the fortunes for the cookies, right? Well, it just so happens, and this, I don't think Homer wrote this one, but I kept, the, I kept this fortune whenever we go. We always get our fortune cookies, and Kathy reads, you know, and so I'm, I'm always the first one when she cracks it open, and hers is the second. And this is one that that I got, and I thought, wow, th this is really truth. This could be scriptural. I mean, it says, the greatest achievement is selflessness. Well, that sounds pretty scriptural, doesn't it? The greatest achievement is selflessness. I think that might be at the very heart when Christ says that we must die to ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, die to ourselves. And I think therein, once we can um, realize that, we find a true bond of a tight family. When, 
if you had a household with everybody dying to themselves, looking out for one another, man, what a powerful family that would be. And what a powerful family of believers we would be if we could just get across self. You know, the, not only the tyranny of time, but the tyranny of self. Now, oftentimes we've heard it said, and it is true, that we are our own worst enemies. I don't know about you, but I found that to be the case many times in my life. But we celebrate because there are families. Some families get it right. Some families just get it right. And there's others, and maybe, maybe the majority, come short of that, come a bit short of that. Well, you know we're in great company. There's, you know, we don't have to look too far in Scripture to see that dysfunctional families are prevalent in Scripture. You remember the very first family mentioned in the Bible? First family? Y'all have been coming here an awful long time not to know that one. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve. And so they were created by God in his image. They were given this beautiful place to live, the Garden of Eden. And I don't know how long they were there because they weren't bound by time necessarily. But until sin entered into the picture, it was, it was great. It was glorious. Then sin entered into the picture. God could have wiped them out and started all over again, but he didn't. Because he has this love for his people, even when we fall short, even when we sin. But we know in the family instance of Adam and Eve, they had their first two children were two boys. You remember their names? Cain and Abel, right? And we know what happened there. Talk about dysfunction. So right at the very beginning of of Scripture, we see that families can, can make mistakes. They can fall, and sometimes drastically so. But God redeems. God will redeem. And we could go all the way through the Old Testament and find out about families who miss the mark. There's individuals that miss the mark. There's families that miss the mark, as well as those that come really, really close to hitting it. And yet nobody could hit it perfectly. If we could, there would be no need for Christ Jesus to come and save us. Amen? Amen? I expected more amens from the 11 o'clock crowd. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Hallelujah, brother. Hallelujah. And at one point in time, I'm going to ask everybody to say hallelujah. So if you haven't said it yet, you could get it out of the way or else store it up. But we're all going to be saying hallelujah before this is done. (laughs) Jesus himself had a dysfunctional family. Right? If we look at dysfunction as being non-perfect, Jesus is perfect in every way. But even, even there, there was a shadow of doubt around his birth, around his conception, right? And then he was born, not in Nazareth, but they had to go for the taxes down to uh, Bethlehem. And then they went to Egypt for a period of time. And when Herod died, they came back. Joseph was um, uh, visited by an angel, and he told to bring his family back to their hometown. So they came back to Nazareth. Well, you know, small towns got big memories, right? And, and it's just the way it is. So you know there wasn't like a great welcome home party without some whispers, right? Um, so that's how it started. But then they raised their family up. There was Jesus, and there were um, his brothers and sisters, as mentioned in Scripture. And if we could look around uh, Mark chapter 3, um, we, would, we, would, we would see in verse 20, Jesus is at the outset of his ministry. He's, he's preaching the word, right? He's not... He's not living a life that looks like any, anything anybody's seen before. The religious leaders at that time, you know, wore big hats, gold chains around there, I'd walk around with their staff, they never did anything wrong. Jesus wasn't like that. He came in and he preached, right, in their language, preached to their hearts. 
So he'd already been preaching. He'd already been doing some miracles. So he, so he goes to a house, and because of what's said here, you think maybe he was invited over for dinner. Come on over for dinner. Okay, we'd be happy to. So the crowd gathered, so much so that Jesus' disciples weren't even able to eat. They weren't even able to get up to that little buffet that had been set up there. But when his family heard about this, his family, right? The family where we should be free to be ourselves, where we should be surrounded by people that will support us. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. Jesus is a grown man, and not just any old grown man. He's Jesus. They go to take charge of him, and they said, he is what? Out of his mind. Out of his mind. Talk about dysfunction. Talk about jealousy and pride that must have been running rampant in his family. Who does Jesus think he is going around here talking like he owns the world? Or like he created the world? Well, yeah, guess what? (laughs) If we were to look in John chapter 7, this is another scene that had played out. And Jesus was getting ready to go up to Jerusalem um, to celebrate the, the festival of booths, the festival of tabernacles. And his brothers came. And, and they were ridiculing him. And, oh, yeah, well, why don't you just go on up there and put the spotlight square on yourself and use that megaphone when you talk so that everybody can see you, that everybody can hear you. Because why? Even his own brothers did not believe in him. Kind of how our families are, right? We oftentimes don't support one another in a manner that we really should. And God still loves us, gives us direction. We'll look at one more in Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, where we see Jesus um, in his own hometown. He's back in Nazareth again, accompanied by his disciples. Uh, On the Sabbath, um, Jesus began to teach in the synagogue, and and many people who heard him were amazed. I guess so. Jesus, who's opening up the word of the Lord in person, speaking, I imagine many, many people were amazed. And they're asking themselves, where did he get these things? What's this wisdom that's coming out of his mouth? This is awesome. And he even does miracles. He even does miracles. He does what we've never seen before. And they say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of, and we're going to ask you to remember a few of these names. Isn't this the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, who would be Jude, and Simon? These are Jesus' brothers. Aren't his sisters here with us? So his family is right there with Jesus, right? They're right in his hometown. These are the ones that said he's crazy. These are the ones that right here take offense at him. Take offense at Jesus for preaching love, for preaching the truth, for preaching that there is a way, and it's God's way, and it ain't my way. It's God's way. And if we were to look back a little bit further, so he said, only in his hometown among his relatives, in his own house as a prophet, without honor. Right? Because aunts and uncles, they remember when he was still messing in his diapers. Right? He's going to be without honor. They've known him. They've known this is a little boy that, you know, fell down and skinned his knee. He couldn't do any miracles there except a few. He, he would lay on his hands on a sick person and heal them. So Sammy is got a migraine headache, Jesus would come along and say, be healed, or migraine headache is gone. Right? Colin, is, Colin has got, he's blind in one eye, Jesus comes over and says, Colin, be healed. And he can see out of both. And the people couldn't have anything more than that. And I think in our own lives, that's the case where Jesus will work in our lives, 
but just a little bit because uh, it's a lack of faith. It's a lack of openness to what God alone can do. We don't understand it. And I'm here to tell you that I don't understand God. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it for all the days of my life. I do not understand God. But it's a good thing because if I did understand God, you know, he'd, be, he'd, he'd fit into a shoebox, you know, and he wouldn't be able to do anything. But I don't understand God. His ways are much far ahead of my ways. His thoughts are much deeper than my thoughts. And this is the God who chooses to reveal himself to us. This is Jesus that was in their midst, and yet now by the power of his Holy Spirit is in our midst right now. And that's an awesome thing. That's why we say hallelujah. You might ever think, well, what in the world is he saying hallelujah for all the time? Hallelujah, all that means is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And can we ever praise the Lord enough? Can there ever be enough moments in any given day for us to give back to God what, what he so richly deserves, who he desires the very best for us? It's not like God's got a good plan, you know, um, we, we could even think of Jeremiah, um, the prophet, in the midst of that difficult, horrible time where he says to, to his, to, God says to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for harm uh, so that you'll have a future and a hope and then you'll, you'll come and call on me and I'll hear you and you'll, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Now that's the God that's with us today. That's the God that loves us today. It's got a great plan. It's not just a good plan. It's a great plan. And let's not be satisfied with anything else. You know, if the Lord wants to work a little miracle in our life, hallelujah. If he wants to work a big miracle in our life, let's let him. Let's let the Lord, let, let, let God be God in our lives. You know, I think too often we want to take the reins away from him and say, okay, God, I got this one. I got it all figured out. Yeah, right, Joy. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Let God be God. Because stuff's going to happen anyway. I guarantee you, right now, stuff's happening. Stuff's happening in some of your lives that you just would rather not go through. We'll look at that verse in a little bit. We'll shout with joy even when we go through difficult times because we know that the, the, the master of the universe, the God who created heaven and earth, and who created mankind in his own image, desires this close relationship with us so that we'd even be this close. You know, and that's what God's desire is for us. You know, rather than us always turning away and spurning him and acting, you know, like we're too big for our britches. I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's time to quit that. If we're doing it, time to quit it. That's all I can say. It's time to quit it. Um, you know, and I'll, and I'll say this. I didn't say it before, but I'll say it now. Um, Sixteen years ago when I first came on staff here, when I, at that point in my life, I was, I was doing a lot of different stuff. You know, we were doing a lot of prison ministry and a lot of, a lot of stuff in inner city Detroit. And, um, I, I was doing a lot of things that um, I really thought, once I came on staff, I can't do that anymore. I'm bound by these walls, you know. And I thought, you know, after about a month of being on staff, I, I prayed to the Lord, what in the world's going on here? I feel, I feel like I can't be used anymore. And his response was just as clear as a bell. There's many people here that don't know me. So what, the reason I say that is if that would be us, if we're not in a personal, life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus yet, never too late. That's the good news. It is never, ever too late. No matter what our past might dictate, I am not the sum and substance of the bad things I've done, the bad things that I've thought, or the bad things that i said. I, that's not me any longer because I have been redeemed. I've been washed clean. My sins have been forgiven. Let's not take that for granted. Let's not take that for granted. 
Just being in church does not necessarily mean that we have a personal relationship with Christ. Because only then will we be the people that God desires us to be, that he intends us to be, because he's got a great plan for us. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be shouting and standing up and preaching. It's just not that way, because we're all different. But within our own heart, within our own spirit, God seeks now to touch us and lead us into this great path. And so it's an awesome blessing to even consider that God would love us this much. Amen? That God would love us so much that he would meet us not only in worship, because we're told in Scripture that when hearts are turned to him, that God would inhabit the praises of his people, but he also meets us at our point of need. Sometimes it's a dire need. Sometimes we're crying out to the Lord. We're shouting out, God, please help me. That's where he'll make himself known. Jesus' brothers were um, not always kind. They were sometimes very, very hateful. They hadn't received the freedom that Christ brings in, um, in the gospel according to John in the 8th chapter. Um, Jesus says that th- those people who, are, who the sun sets free are free indeed. Um, how can, so this is, we're, let's, go, let's move on to the next verse here. Tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Amen? And the best of us, I'm going to ask you, if you're the best person here in the crowd, please raise your hand. I'll be happy to raise my hand for the worst. The best of us couldn't redeem themselves. And yet the worst of us are not beyond God's grasp. The very worst of us are not beyond his salvation. So though we are sinners and sold out and slaves to sin in our human self by the power of God's love and in his spirit, the Son will set us free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. Free to be the person that you've been created to be. Free to be the person who has courage to walk through difficult times, knowing that God is with us no matter what. Knowing that however many days are numbered for each one of us, God is going to be with us until the very end. And then at the very end, he's going to be there waiting for us. How much better than that does it get? Not much. Amen? So Jesus' brothers, who had called him crazy, they had called him insane, they had said he's lost his mind, they had accused him, they mocked him, they had accused him of being a glory hound. Remember the names of some of them? We're going to think of the one named James, who would become the leader of the churches of Jerusalem, James. We'll look at James in chapter 1 where he introduces himself at the very beginning of this letter, James, a servant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ. What in the world happened to him? New life in Christ. He's born again, right? Because right up until the point where Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and presented himself, James was one of the ones that saw him at first presented himself to James, and then to the disciples, and then to many people throughout that next 40-day period. So Jesus shows himself to James, and then fills him with the Holy Spirit. Now James is alive. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, and this is what we were talking about earlier, when you face trials of many kinds, and don't we have them? I would say right now we have somebody that either is suffering with or through cancer, or loves somebody that's going through cancer. There's somebody here now that is struggling through heart problems. 
or love somebody that's going through our problems. Somebody here that maybe has a, a hard time breathing. Amen? And we know that Jesus is with us no matter what our troubles here on earth may be. Amen? There's somebody here that's going through relational difficulties. There's somebody here that's contemplating divorce. I guarantee you. And if it's not us, it's somebody that we love. And those of us that have been through it, we know how heartbreaking that can be. Jesus is going to restore us. Jesus is going to give us new life here and now. Amen. Amen. There's somebody that's struggling through grief. We've had to say a premature farewell to a loved one. We know what that's like. Jesus is here to say, I'm here with you. I understand that. I'll never leave you. I will never let you go. So we celebrate that. All of the problems that we might face or that we might be going through, it's nothing God hasn't seen before, and he's got it. So we heard from one of Jesus' brothers, James. The other one, whose name was Judas, who was called Jude. Um, there's a, there's right before, if you turn to Revelation, right at the back of the book, go back to the left, one little page, and you'll see this one-chapter book um, called Jude. And Jude would write this, in a, and we'll go to the Jude, the Jude text. Um, Jude, a servant of who? Jesus Christ. This is one of the same brothers who had accused him of being crazy. And a brother of James, he's identified himself. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. You see that next verse, please? Mercy, peace, and love be what? Yours in abundance. This is meant for you. This is meant for you. We can't save our kids. We can't save our grandkids. We can't save our loved ones. We can't save our friends. We can't save the body of believers. Only Jesus can. But we need to allow people to see Jesus living in us. We have to allow people to see the light of Christ shining through us as we die to ourselves, you know, like that old fortune cookie that we read, that we become selfless in Christ, that he might live through us. And then if we were to look a little further in that, um, that chapter of Jude, to him who is able to keep you from falling, Hallelujah. To him who is able to keep you from falling, wherever you're falling, wherever you are falling, falling in love ain't a bad thing, falling in hate is a bad thing. Whatever your pit that you're falling into, he can keep us from that. To present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. We are not the sum and substance of our sin. We are cleansed and redeemed, and to the only God, our Savior, be glory majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.